Good morning, everybody. Nice to see you in church this morning. You look beautiful for 1130 on a Sunday morning. You look good today. We're so happy we get to spend the morning with you. Welcome again to church. We're so thankful that you made the effort to be here today. So in saying that, I want to welcome everybody that might be here for the very first time to the bridge. Thank you so much. We are honored that you would spend your weekend with us. And we love spending Sundays together, and we believe that you have chosen the right place today. really believe that God's going to speak to us. But if you are new, we want to welcome you and say thanks again for being here. And we would love to connect with you, tell you more about the church, answer any questions that you might have. If you have any questions about the church, we are here to help. I want to personally invite you. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to personally invite you to stop by the Connection Center right after this service. It's to your right. As soon as you walk out the first set of exit doors, we have a great team that serves there. They would love to answer your questions, tell you more about the church, and all of the different ways that you can get involved. So again, thank you so much for being here today. It is our honor to get to host you this morning. Thanks again. Let's put our hands together and welcome all of our guests to church today. Awesome. Hey, I want to share one other thing really, really quick before we get into God's Word. Um, Next Sunday morning is water baptisms here at the bridge during both of our morning services. And I think that as of earlier this week, we had somewhere around 32 people who are signed up to be baptized. So we're really excited about this day. But the reason why I'm mentioning it is because I personally want to extend an invitation to you if you've never been baptized in water. And over these last few days, as we kind of prepare for baptisms at the end of the month, it occurred to me that there are a, there's a really wide range of people in terms of age groups of people who are being baptized in water this year. And, you know, usually we do tend to baptize a lot of young people here in the church, which is awesome. That's exciting. But I just felt in my heart all week long to say this. If you are a not-so-young person and you've never been baptized, or maybe you recently made a decision, and I say that jokingly, but seriously, if you're not like in your teens or early 20s, if you've made a decision at some point in your life or even recently to follow Jesus, but you've never been baptized, it would be an absolute honor to get to celebrate water baptism with you. And can I just tell you something? It's not something we're encouraged to do. We're, some, we're told to do this to follow Jesus in water baptism. So if you've never been baptized, let me just personally invite you to do that. It's such a special day. So you can sign up at the Connection Center. You can sign up on our website. You can sign up through the Bridge app also. But please sign up to be water baptized because we want to celebrate with you. So do that. Take advantage of it. It's going to be an awesome day. Let's get into God's Word this morning. If you have your Bible, would you meet me in 1 Peter chapter 2? 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path to show us where we stand, to show us where we're going. And God, today there are many of us that we need to know where we stand so that we can receive direction from you. So I pray that your word would truly do that, that it would illuminate our life this morning, God, that we would hear from you, that we would know you better, God, that we would leave this place in a stronger relationship with you. And Father, for people that might be coming into this place today needing a special touch from you, I pray that they would encounter you in a very significant way so that their life is changed today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning, I want to bring you a message called Living Stones. Living stones. This is an idea that's kind of illustrated to us by Peter in the New Testament. And I want to unpack this for you this morning in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 4. This is what he says. He says, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. 
As the scriptures say, and Peter quotes uh, Isaiah 28 here, he says, As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him, talking about Jesus, will never be disgraced. In the next couple verses, Peter goes on and he talks about how there will be some people who will reject the message of Christ. And he says that that cornerstone, Christ, will become a stumbling stone or a stumbling block for those who reject that message. And then he goes on and says this in verse 9. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Verse 10 says, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you receive God's mercy. In this passage of scripture, there's a lot to unpack. And if we were to just take time to talk about the context of all of this, it would take us a long, long time. But just to give a little bit of background and a little bit of context, we have to understand what was written and who it was written to. In this epistle, Peter is writing to early church Christians who, according to 1 Peter 1, had been dispersed into different areas. And the biggest reason that there was this dispersion, according to chapter 1, was because persecution had hit the church. The early church were not able to practice their faith publicly because very bad things, terrible things were happening to early church Christians. Now, when I say persecution, here in 21st century America, a lot of us think they must have been ridiculed or they must have been criticized or made fun of for their faith. It was a whole lot worse than that. People were dying for their faith in the public square. It was becoming government law in certain regions that you could not practice Christianity openly in many parts of this society in the days of the early church. And so what Peter's talking about is he says, listen, I understand that many of you who call yourselves Christians have been dispersed in different directions because of persecution. You've run for your lives, but you're still holding on to your faith. You're still practicing your faith. Now, what's interesting about that context is that we have to realize that the early church in these days, and especially to the audience that Peter's writing to, they weren't like us. They didn't meet just on a Sunday in a building like this that was up for everybody in the community to see. Most of the time, they practiced their faith corporately in private because they were worried about the consequences of practicing it publicly and in the open. So Peter writes to them and he says, listen, I recognize that you aren't able to practice your faith publicly. But here's the thing. Your faith is not limited by the walls around you, or your faith is not limited to a church building. Instead, he says, you are the church. And how many know that the church is not the four walls around us? The church is who we are. If you didn't know that, when you become a Christian, you are, a church is not just a place you go to. Church is who we are. We are the church of Jesus Christ. So when you think about church, realize the church is not the place that you meet at at 1130 on Sunday. Yes, there is a church building, there are walls, there's carpet, there's seats, there's flooring, there's decor, there's lights, there's a platform and all that good stuff. But this stuff is not the church. You are the church. I am the church. And so if we get that understanding, one of the things we'll begin to realize is that the church is something that I am not just on Sunday. The church is who I am Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We are the church. So in a time in which the early church believers were very much, much discouraged because of persecution, Peter is encouraging the believers and saying, listen, don't let your faith be bound to practicing openly, publicly within the four walls or stone buildings. Understand that you are living stones. You get to be the church in your everyday life. 
Now, what's interesting about that is I think that the early church actually had the opposite problem of what we in 21st century America have today. Because for us to gather like this, it's easy. We have freedom. We have liberty. In fact, we have safety to come like this and openly declare the goodness of our God, to praise and worship, to teach from the word of God. Not only that, we can proudly declare here that our God is alive, that he's active, that he's for us, and that he lives within us, and we can preach that message to the world around us. What an amazing blessing we have to be able to do that. Sometimes our freedom becomes our greatest bondage. Because for a lot of us, when we think of church, we think about this. And church becomes this thing where it's like, well, I don't need to go today. I can just go next week. Or I can go next month or I can show up occasionally. And sometimes we forget the whole point is that when we come together, we are strengthened. Why? So that when we go out into our daily lives, we can be living stones. So that we can be the church. When we come together, we're here to be built up, to receive from God's word, to receive from each other, to experience fellowship with God and with each other. Why? So that when we leave this place, we can go and touch the world in which we live. Does anybody believe that this morning? That's the purpose. And that's a little bit different than what the early church looked like. So Peter says, listen, don't let your thinking about what church is be bound to the stones that surround you or the walls or the brick and mortar that surround you. Understand, you are living stones. You are the church. You take the message with you every single place that you go. So I want to take some time this morning and I want to unpack this idea of living stones. What does it mean to be a living stone? I know that's not really a phrase that we use very often. Like if we're talking to each other about how to encourage each other in the Lord, well, bless God, go and be a good living stone this week. We don't say that very often. So what does that mean? How do we go about being living stones? Peter unpacks this really, really well. And I want to take some time to talk to you this morning about the characteristics of living stones, because what we are a part of is bigger than what we see with our eyes right now. This is the first characteristic. If you're taking notes this morning, this is the first characteristic of a living stone. Number one, living stones understand that their source of life is Christ alone. Living stones understand that their source of life is Christ alone. Now, I can say that phrase and that sentence that I just shared with you, that point, and to many of you, that's common knowledge. That's basic knowledge. It's like, yeah, I already understand that. But here's the reason why this is so important. We have to understand that outside of Christ, we're not really living stones, we're just stones. Because I was dead in my sin, I was dead in my trespasses, I was dead in my own efforts and in my own ways. There was nothing that I could do to save myself to bring about salvation. Why? Because I'm a sinful human being. But then I met Jesus. And Jesus brought me back to life. The thing we have to understand is that I in myself am just a stone. I'm not a living stone. But Jesus, the cornerstone, is the one who conquered death and hell and the grave for me. So that when I came into contact with Jesus, all the life that was in Jesus was suddenly made available to me. And now this stone is no longer a dead stone. This stone is a living stone that has a purpose in this life, that has a message for the world around me. And I am no different than you. If you have come into contact with Jesus, the cornerstone, it's his life that is flowing into you. You are no longer a dead stone. You are a living stone. Now, let me just illustrate this to you a little bit further because, again, I understand that for a lot of you this sounds really basic. Yeah, I kind of know that. I kind of already stand that. Here's the thing. When I was a kid, my grandfather, he was a mechanic, okay? And For those of you that know my dad, Pastor Gary, very well, like my dad has this very ornery streak in him, okay? Like he likes to pick on people. He likes to give you a hard time. If he picks on you and gives you a hard time, that means that he likes you. 
And if you know my dad very well, that's how he is. Well, my, grandma, my grandfather was like that times 10. Um, he was really, he had a real ornery streak, okay? Like he would get after you. <laughs> but my grandfather was a mechanic. And my brother and I were both very lucky because we had old cars when we were kids. I had an old 69 Camaro. My brother had a, a 70 El Camino. And we wouldn't have had those old cars if it wasn't for the fact that my grandfather was a mechanic. He knew how to fix those old cars because something was always bound to go wrong with the old car. But when something would go wrong, we would just drive the car down to grandpa's house, pull it in the garage, and he knew what to do. He would fix it right up. And I'll never forget the first time my grandpa ever got me with this trick because my grandpa got a lot of people with this trick when he worked on their cars. And some of you who are familiar with cars, you know where I'm going right now. But my grandfather had this funny way of playing tricks on you that weren't that funny. Um, he would say, hey, Zach, come on over here real quick. And he's got the hood up under my car, and you know he's kind of huddled down there under the hood. He's like, I need you to help me with something. And as soon as I would get close enough to touch him, he would reach down and he would grab the end of the spark plug wire, which is electrified, and he would grab my ear. And at that very moment, this jolt of electricity would flow through him and hit me right in the ear. And it was like, whoa, and it would just freak you out like this jolt of electricity just hit you. And to him, it was the funniest thing, you know? And I'm like, how does that feel good? How do you enjoy doing that to people? Because it's like... Really, who wants to grab the end of a spark plug wire? He did. He thought it was hilarious. And after he did it to me, I could always see him setting somebody else up to do it to them when he would work on their car. It was the funniest thing. And to know him was to love him. That's just kind of how he was. But here's the reason I say this. When I was thinking about this idea of my life, which was dead, coming to life when I met Christ, I thought about that analogy of grabbing a hold of electricity that is a source of electricity here that flows through me and makes contact with somebody else. When my dead life came in contact with the life of Christ, I, who was dead, was made alive again. And it's the same story for you. And the reason why we have to remember that and get that analogy is because the moment we become disconnected from the cornerstone is when the life flows out of us. And every single day of our lives, we have to remind ourselves who our source of life is. Why? Because every single day, we become susceptible to walking back down the path of sin and death. We have that choice every single day of our life. Am I going to choose a life that's about me? Am I going to choose a life that's about my own interests? Or am I going to follow Jesus? Am I going to choose to follow the path that he has laid out for me? Sometimes that's not an easy decision. But here's the thing. If I can recognize that outside of Christ, I'm dead, I'm simply a stone, not a living stone, that I will walk out every day of my life knowing it's better to be alive in Christ than dead on my own. One of my favorite worship leaders, a songwriter, her name's Brooke Frazier, she said this in an interview one time that she was giving to other worship leaders and songwriters. She said these words. She said, when it comes to my relationship with God, I always have to stop and remember my BC life, my before Christ life. She said, because when I think about what my life was like before Christ, I recognize that it was empty, that it was dead, and that it was dry. And I don't ever want to get to a place in my life where I forget what God did for me because I know how lost I was, I know how dead I was, and how sinful I was until Jesus came into my life. Listen to me, every single day of our life, those of us who call ourselves Christians, we cannot forget our BC life. We have to stay in contact with the cornerstone so that his life flows into our life and we don't walk back down the path of sin and death. We stay alive in Christ, amen? Now, let's keep on talking about this this morning. Let's talk about what it means to be a living stone. The second thought that I wanna share with you, second characteristic of a living stone as a living stone understands that in my earthly life, I have eternal responsibilities. 
This is going to be kind of heavy. Let me say it one more time. Living stones understand that in our earthly lives, we have been given eternal responsibilities. This is what it says again in 1 Peter 2 and verse 5. It says, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Other translations say royal priesthood. Through the meditation, excuse me, the mediation, not meditation, the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Now, if we want to take this and apply this in a very literal sense, what Peter is saying is that now we as a New Testament church believers, we have priestly responsibilities. Priestly responsibilities. Now, that's going to hit some of you kind of funny because you might come from a more orthodox background. You might come from a Catholic background. And when you kind of think about priestly duties and priestly responsibilities, you're like, whoa, 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 not me. You're like, first of all, it's too late to make a vow of celibacy. (laughs) Um, Secondly, the robes, the collar. I certainly don't want to hear your confession. I'm not so sure how I feel about this whole priestly responsibility thing. What Peter's saying here is not religion. Peter is telling us that we as believers have to understand that in the life that we have been given on this earth, while our life on this earth is temporal, we have some eternal responsibilities. I want to say this to his home with everybody today. Your life is not just about you. Your life is not just about you. In this life that you've been given by God, you and I have some responsibilities, some eternal responsibilities on this earth. Let's talk about that for just a moment. What do those responsibilities look like? I think it's twofold. First of all, we need to understand, number one, that we are the carriers of the message of Jesus. You and I are the carriers of the message of Jesus. When I think about this, it reminds me of the verse of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's the verse that we get our mission statement from here at the church, connecting people with God and connecting people with people. That passage of scripture says that we have been reconciled to God, and now God has given us, you and me, believers, the ministry of reconciliation. You might not know it, but you have a calling on your life to carry the message of Jesus if you call yourself a Christian. You and I have been tasked with that responsibility to reconcile others to Christ. But see, sometimes I think that we forget what our responsibilities are. Sometimes we tend to view our Christianity and we view our walk with God like, what can God do for me? What can God do for me? Come on, God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. It's like, what does God have for me today? And God has a lot for you today. Listen, God wants to pour out blessing into your life. But one of the things that we have to understand is that the greatest blessing that God gave us is our salvation and our forgiveness. And when we've been reconciled to God, we suddenly take on the responsibility of helping to reconcile others. I heard this great story a few years ago from Dr. John Maxwell. He's a, a Christian leadership guy and, you know, probably the most Christian, most famous Christian leadership guy in the world. And he told the story of going to meet another very successful and prominent businessman. It was a guy named Fred Smith who started FedEx. He's still alive to this day. He's a multi-billionaire, but he's an awesome Christian man. And one of his visions that he saw with this new business model for FedEx was that he could compete with the U.S. Postal Service and offer a better alternative to shipping through the USPS. So he set out with this new business model to improve shipping. And so... He had this great idea. He was really smart. He built this huge, successful company. But he's been serving God all these years. And John Maxwell told a story about going to meet this man. And they talked about you know, his business and their upbringings. And they talked about leadership and all these other things. But they also talked about the fact that they were both Christians serving God who were planted in their local church. 
And Fred Smith, the guy that founded FedEx, he said these words to John Maxwell. He said, you know, I've been in church my whole life. I love church. I love Jesus, and I want to serve him all the days of my life, and I want to be planted in the local church. He said, but I began to realize over the last few years that the church has made one really, really big mistake. He said, the business model of the church has kind of gotten messed up. He said, the consumer, or excuse me, the people of the church have become the consumers of the product rather than the distributors of the product. And John Maxwell said, wow, that hit me so hard. And I think especially today in United States of America in the 21st century, we can sometimes take this very consumeristic view of church and say, what can I get from God by paying the least amount? We tend to look at God like, what can he give me? What can God do for me? And there's a lot that God wants to do for you. I already said that once. But let me just tell you something. When you have been reconciled to God, God has given you the ministry of reconciliation so that you can take the message to the people in your world. It's so important to understand that if you look at that responsibility, if you look at that calling and you say, I don't feel qualified to do that because I can't stand on a platform and I'm a little shy with public speaking and maybe I'm not a good preacher, teacher, I don't know the word of God. Can I just tell you something? You don't need to be able to do any of those things to carry the message of Jesus into the world in which you live because only you work where you work and only you live where you live. And only you are a part of the family that you are a part of. And I'm not a part of that family. I don't live there and I don't work where you work. And the thing about it is like, I have my own responsibilities. But there's an old song that I remember hearing when I was a kid that said, you're the only Jesus that some people will ever see. And you need to understand that maybe God has placed you in the workplace that you're in for a reason. Maybe God's got you living in the neighborhood that you're in for a reason. Maybe God puts you in the family that you're in for a reason. It's so that it wouldn't just stop with you. The message wouldn't just be for you and you be the only consumer of that message, but that you could be the one who shows Jesus to your family, shows Jesus to your workplace, shows Jesus to your neighborhood. Why? Because you and I have been given the ministry and the message of reconciliation. And listen, before we move forward, how selfish of me to be reconciled to Christ and say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me and not care about anybody else's reconciliation. Because God's called us to so much more. I'll say it one more time because maybe this is a lesson that a lot of us need to learn. Your life is not all about you. My life is not all about me. God has called us to so much more. But here's the second side of that coin. We talked about how living stones understand that in our earthly lives, we have an eternal responsibility. First of all, we talked about how we are the carriers of the message. But here's the second part of this. We as Christians are called to live lives of sacrifice. We as Christians are called to live lives of sacrifice. Now, some of you hear that and you're like, man, I didn't come to church this morning to have somebody tell me all the things I've got to give up and all the stuff I've got to do to make God happy. Here's the thing. Scripture all throughout the New Testament talks about what it means to bring a life of praise toward God. And one of the most specific places that we see it is in Romans chapter 12. The Apostle Paul, he says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, there's a lot of layers to that statement, but let me just put it to you in two ways. God wants us to make ourselves available, not just for what he can do for us, but what he wants to do through us. Maybe one side of your Christianity that you haven't yet tapped into yet is what God wants to do through you, not just what God wants to do for you. Because God wants to do a whole lot of things through you, and there's a whole wide world of opportunities that are right there around you if you open your eyes to see all the things that God wants to do. 
I believe the other side of this, when he talks about our physical bodies, I believe that in this life, and this earth in which we've been put, we're only going to be here for a short amount of time, really, if you look at the span of time. If you think about that, I have to be a steward of this body that God has given me so that we can be as effective as possible in the time that we've been given. That also means I just put myself at the top of the list of people that probably need to go back to the gym. But that's one way in which we offer sacrifice to God. Now, let me give you three other quick ways that we are to live lives of sacrifice, okay? These three became alive to me over the last few years of my life, and I began to realize that all perspectives, all, all, all ways of my life, God wants me to be thinking of him before I think of anything else. But three of the greatest ways that we can live sacrificial lives in the kingdom of God is what we do or by choosing to do with our time, our talent, and our treasure. Time, talent, Treasure. Learned this lesson a long time ago. Obviously, when we talk about our treasure, you know, it talks about our finance, our resource, the things that we have. You know, if you think about the money that you have in your bank account, you can either choose to spend it or you can choose to invest it. And if you want to have more long term, then you can choose to make investments today so that it will grow and it will be there for you later on in life. So with every dollar that you have, you have a decision. Do I want to spend this or do I want to invest this? Do I want it to be here now and gone the next moment or do I want to invest this right now so that it's there for me later and in greater sum. You have that decision. Well, let's talk about that same decision when it comes to the other two areas. What do you do with your time? Do you spend your time or do you invest your time? Because we have to find that balance in our life. See, for all of us, there are things that we can spend our time doing that there's nothing wrong with finding a certain amount of gratification. But we have to find that healthy balance in our life. Are we spending more time on our own gratification or are we investing time in things that are going to outlive us? Our time, our talent, our treasure. Let me ask you about your, ta your talents for just a moment. See, for all of us, we all have unique giftings and talents and abilities. The talents that God has given you, he did not give to me. And in the church world, I know that we tend to glorify the people that stand on platforms or sing songs or preach messages. But here's the thing. There are things that you can do with your gifts and your talents and your abilities that I cannot do. All of us have unique gifts, talents, and abilities that make us who we are. Why? Because they're given to us by God. And we have to understand that what we do with those talents are a choice. We can either spend them on things that bring us fulfillment, or we can invest them in things that will outlive us. It's totally up to us. But God is saying, look, I've given you all these gifts. I've given you time. I've given you talent. I've given you a certain amount of treasure. What are you going to do with what you have? Are you going to choose to spend it? Because sometimes, have you ever noticed that sometimes spending turns into wasting? Have you ever looked at your spending patterns and looked back and like, oh my God, where did all of it go? And even though everything that you bought was supposed to be bringing you a certain amount of gratification, when it was gone, you looked back and thought, I didn't really spend it as much as I just wasted it. I wish that I had invested it. How sad to get to the end of our life and have God look at us and say, I gave you all this time. I gave you all this talent. I gave you all this treasure. Where did you spend it on? Was it wasted or was it invested? I believe as a people of God, God is calling us to invest our lives in things that will outlive us, in things that will outlive us, generations, the kingdom of God, eternal things. You know, speaking of that, I think there's a few other things that we could talk about, but let me just throw this thought at you because this is something that really consumed my mind and my heart over the last few days. When I think about this idea that I'm a living stone and I'm building my life on the cornerstone that is Jesus, it's so easy for us as Christians to sometimes think, well, it's all about Jesus, the cornerstone, and me, the living stone, right on top of it, and nobody else matters. 
It's amazing how we can sometimes fall into the trap of making our Christianity, well, it's all about me and Jesus, and who cares about everybody else? It's funny, when I talked about, you know, my life isn't all about me, that's a lesson that, you know, you start to learn when you're getting into ministry, but let me tell you, man, I learned that lesson hard when I started having kids. My life is not all about me. I went to a wedding last night, and the the parents of the bride were in first service this morning. We were talking to them after this, but... Tell you what, you learn that life isn't all about when you, you when you got to pay for your daughter's wedding. <laughs> and they're wonderful parents who raised a beautiful bride, and she's a wonderful, wonderful girl serving Jesus. But I look back at it, and I think to myself, man, there are some hard lessons that we sometimes have to learn in life to understand that our life isn't all about us. But when I think about my kids, when I think about the next generation that's coming up behind us in this church and in this valley, one of the things I have to realize is that my relationship with God isn't just about me and God. Jesus is the cornerstone, I'm a living stone, but what about the other stones that God wants to build on top of me? What about your kids? What about your grandkids? What about your great-grandkids? Are you willing to invest your life in such a way that you make investments today that will outlive you tomorrow? I hope that, that like the ceiling of my life is the floor of my kid's life. I hope that they get to stand on greater platforms than I do. I hope they get to have better opportunities than I ever had. But I have to choose to invest my life rather than just make it all about me and spend my resources in my own fulfillment. That's such a a crazy thing for us to think about because sometimes we don't consider the sacrifice and the investment that it's going to take. You know, in Europe, there's all these cathedrals that you see throughout the continent. We don't have as many here in the U.S. We have more on the East Coast. But in Europe, there are these cathedrals that, in some cases, took two, 250 years to build. And if I think about that for just a moment in our modern church world, what if we came before you and said, okay, church, we're really excited. We're going to build a new building. Here's the good news. It's going to cost this much. Here's the bad news. It's only going to take us 250 years to build it. Like, how many people would invest in that building project when you weren't going to be around to see the day that it was completed? Probably not many of us, because oftentimes we want our investment to turn up like fruit for us tomorrow. We want it to be profitable tomorrow. But what if God is calling you today to make investments that will outlive you so that your grandkids can experience things you never got to experience? What if the greatest calling of your life is simply to lay it down so that your kids can do even greater things, so that your grandkids can do even greater things, so your great-grandkids can do even greater things? Because i got to be honest with you, as a church, a lot of the plans that we find ourselves making are no longer about us, but how the next generation can flourish here at the Bridge Church. God is calling us to sacrificial thinking and sacrificial living that says, I am living more than just my own fulfillment. I choose to invest my life in something that will outlive me. My life is not about me. And finally, the third characteristic of a living stone. Living stones understand that their identity is found in the kingdom of God and not in the kingdoms of man. Living stones understand that their identity is found in the kingdom of God, not the kingdoms of man. Listen to this, verse 10 from 1 Peter 2. Peter says, once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. You know, referring back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the the verse from which we get our church mission statement. When Paul talks about we have been reconciled to Christ, he says, now you are Christ's ambassadors. You are to go and plead with the world to be reconciled to God. That whole idea of being ambassador for Christ is such a weird thing. 
Because if you think about what the definition of an ambassador is, it's somebody who lives or their identity, their citizenship is found in one nation, but they live temporarily in another nation so that they can bring the message from their nation of citizenship with them to that place. And that's what we are. We have been called to this earth for this time. We don't know how many years, but we are not just citizens of this earth. We're not just citizens of the Temecula Valley of Southern California of the United States of America. We are citizens of heaven. We have been bought by the blood of Jesus. Our eternal identity and citizenship is found in heaven and in the kingdom of God. It is not in the kingdoms of man. And see, here's the thing. We live in a world right now that wants to divide us according to our differences. Like if you look around the room right now, there's a lot of people from a lot of different places, even a lot of different nations, a lot of different languages, races, colors, ethnicities that are represented in this room. And it would be so easy if we took on the characteristics of the world to look at each other and divide ourselves according to our differences. But you know what we all have in common? We've been bought by the blood of Jesus. And we have to get to this place as Christians and as the church of Jesus Christ where we don't allow the world to show us and tell us what our identity is. See, I can't control the earth that I was born into. I can't control who I am. You are who you are, and I am who I am. So if this is who God has called us to be during the time that we've been put on this earth, we should celebrate our diversity and celebrate our differences. But you know what? The church is at this interesting place in time where we are allowing political correctness to divide us, point out our differences, and say, you should live like this, and you should take on this. No, no, no. I'm a child of the most high God. My citizenship is in heaven, and there is no color, there is no creed, there is no ethnicity that should divide you and divide me. Because when I understand that, I recognize, who was I before Jesus? What did I have of any significance before I had Jesus? I was dead. I was lost in my own sin and my own trespasses. And living stones understand that I can't be seen. I can't see myself through the identity that this world wants to put on me. I have to see myself for the identity that I have in Christ. And we might look different. We might come from different places. We might even speak different languages. But the one thing we have in common is Jesus. And that's a message that we have to live out every day of our lives. We have to take that message with us. We have to model it for the people in our world. And we have to show them that we are living stones. Church isn't something that's bound within these four walls. It's who we are every single place that we go. Our citizenship is in heaven. And I have to see you and you need to see me through our eternal citizenship and our eternal identity. You know, as I was thinking about this message this week and over the last few days, like this passage, I haven't been able to kind of get away from it. And I was just thinking about how, you know, Peter had the boldness to write this epistle. And what's so interesting is that Peter was a guy that made a lot of mistakes. Like if your mistakes were recorded in scripture the way Peter's were, you'd probably be embarrassed. But yet some of his great victories are in scripture also. And we saw that this guy went on to live out an incredible life that was so much bigger than himself. I was thinking about this passage of scripture, what it means to be a living stone, and I was reminded of how Jesus told the disciples, he talked about how, listen, if you want to find your life, then you're going to have to lose it. And if you want to hold on to your life, you'll definitely lose it. And as he taught that to his disciples, I went back to read it, and it's in Matthew 16 that that story unfolds. And it all happens because one day Jesus tells the disciples, listen, there's a time coming where I'm going to have to lay my life down. There's a time coming where I'm going to have to sacrifice my life for the sins of the world. He says, it's going to, I'm going to go back to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer many things at the hands of the priests, at the hands of the Pharisees and the scribes, and then I'm going to die. And Peter speaks up and he's like, no way, Jesus. 
We would never let that happen. Far be it from us that that's going to happen to you. We'll stand up to anybody that comes after you, Jesus. There's no way. We're your guys. We're your team. We're with you. We'll stand with you. And Jesus looks at him. What does he say? Get behind me, Satan. Because it's the will of God that I lay my life down. In fact, Jesus looked at Peter and he said, you're an offense to me, Peter. Why? Because the will of God was that Jesus would lay down his life. See, the will of Peter was that he would have Jesus for himself and their small group of guys. Tell you something, church, we're in a dangerous place if we ever see churches. It's me and Jesus and our little crew. Because you and I have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And it's easy to look around this room and say, well, this is a big church or it's a big group of people. It ain't nothing compared to how many people are in the Temecula Valley and in Southern California and the state of California and the United States and across the world. There are a whole lot of people that need to hear the message of Jesus and God has chosen you and me to be the ones who carry it to them. But I think about Peter and all of his failures, all of his shortcomings, and all the times that he probably thought, man, I keep sticking my foot in my mouth. That all those years down the road, as Peter became an apostle, one who was sent, he writes this letter to strengthen believers who are under persecution. I'll tell you something, God can do amazing things with your life if you'll choose to be a living sacrifice, to choose to be a living stone. I don't think Peter ever understood or knew exactly what God had for his life. But man, when he stepped into it, lives were changed. He stepped into this amazing calling that was so much bigger than himself. And I think one of the things that God is challenging us to do today in 21st century America is to recognize that church isn't the grocery store where we come and get as much as we can and pay as little as possible. God is calling us to be living stones who go into the world in which we live and carry the message of Jesus. Because ain't nobody else going to send it to him but us. We're the ones who are called to carry the message, to go into the places where we live, where we work, our family members, and tell them how good our God is. You don't have to be a great preacher. You can just model the goodness of God in your life and watch people come to you to say, hey, what is it that's going on in your life? What's different about you? That's the message that we are tasked with, and God is calling us to take it to our world. I don't want to stand before God one day and have him say, what did you do with the message? And say, I made it about me and you and my little group. I want to stand before God one day and look at God, have God look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You lived your life a living stone and a living sacrifice for the people in your world. Amen? Amen. Amen. Can I pray for you this morning? Father, I just thank you so, so much for your word. God, I thank you that it brings clarity to our lives. God, for those of us who need direction or correction, it brings that into our lives as well. God, we stand here today as your people, recognizing that we're imperfect, but we want to be used by you. We make ourselves available to you. So use us, God. I pray in Jesus' name that as we choose to go daily and be the carriers of your message, that you would open up doors of opportunity, that even if they seem like they're bigger than us and a little bit frightening, that we would have the boldness to speak the truth, to model the truth of who you are in our lives. God, I pray for the ones here today, Father, that feels as though they're unworthy and they're unqualified to be a carrier of that message. I pray that they would understand the life that they have been given because of their relationship with you. and They would choose to speak life to other people and model life to other people in their world. And we thank you again, God, for all that you want to do for us. But today we recognize that you want to do even more through us. We make ourselves available in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just one more moment, I just want to ask everybody to take an inventory real quick of your own life and ask the question, where do you stand when it comes to your relationship with God? 
You might have walked into this place today and the idea of being in church was a little overwhelming because you don't feel like you're in right standing with God. Maybe you feel like you don't have a relationship with God. You might even feel like you're unworthy to have a relationship with God because of your shortcomings and your failures and your sin. I understand that. Scripture tells us that sin is the thing that separates us from God. But here's the good news. God loved you so much that right there while you were lost in your sin, he sent his very best in exchange for your very worst so that you could come into relationship with him. Scripture tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ, the Son of God, Jesus, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God came to this earth and died for us, taking our punishment on his back so that we could walk free. But not only that, Scripture tells us that three days later, God raised Jesus from the dead, conquering death and hell and the grave for all of eternity so that you and I would not have to face it. We know that all we have to do is put our faith in Jesus Christ, believe that he died for us, that God raised him from the dead, and that we can walk into a relationship with him and experience this thing called salvation, where we are forgiven of our sins, we are cleansed, and we are made righteous before God. If you've never done that before, maybe you did it a long time ago and you feel like you're far from God, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to come back into a relationship with God. Nothing special about what I'm saying. It's the Spirit of God, I believe, that might be speaking to you right now where you are. And if you feel like there's something in that message that's tugging at your heart and saying, I need to make a decision to get right with God, I believe that's the Spirit of God speaking to you this morning. We're going to pray a prayer right now. And all you got to do is wrap your heart around these words, believe it with everything inside of you, but make a decision to walk with Jesus and follow him all the days of your life. Let's pray a prayer right now. Everybody write out loud. Repeat these words after me. And let's ask God to come into our lives. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you for dying for me, for taking my place on the cross. I want to follow you. I want to walk with you. I want your forgiveness I want your salvation, and I want the life that you have for me, both now and for all of eternity. So I choose you today. Thank you for taking my place and giving me new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, right now I know that we're almost done with our service, but please hang tight for just a moment because this is a very important thing in the service. If you made a decision to follow Jesus this morning, this isn't the end of the road, it's simply the beginning of your journey with God. We wanna help you start taking your first steps in that walk with God. We wanna put a free gift in your hand just to help you take your first few steps. It's a small book called The Next Seven Days and there's two ways that you can get it. Right after the service, we'll have some prayer teams right down here at the front. If you just come down here, talk to one of these prayer teams, let them know you made a decision and you want to get the book, they'll give it to you. We don't need anything from you, but we are happy to help in any way that we can. If you need someone to pray with you, that's what these teams are here for. We would love to pray with you, stand with you, and agree with you today. But if you made a decision and need to go quickly at the end of service, please stop by the next seven days desk between the glass doors before you exit the building. They're there to help you, to give you the next seven days, and pray with you if you, if you need prayer. But we're so glad you made that decision. Welcome to the family of God. Can we just put our hands together today and welcome some people into God's family? Awesome. Welcome, Pastor Gary. Can we give Pastor Zach a good hand for the message this morning? I want to thank you this morning for being here and, and this is the time in our service where we worship God with our giving 
And you'll notice on the screen there are different ways that you can give. And I just want to say this morning, thank you so much for your faithfulness, giving to God's work. You know, we are making a difference in our valley and across this uh, area. Also through missions, investments, and teams that we're working with, we're making a difference really around the world. So you are impacting our world. And I want to say thank you so much for your giving today. One little note I need to refer to this morning before we give. Uh, last week we made an announcement, and you may have received an email about this. If you text to give, if you give online, or if you are set up as a recurring giver, we're in the process of switching to a new giving online platform. So as a result, we need you to set up on the new platform and then cancel the old platform. You've already received emails about that. Most of you have done that. We just don't want to miss anybody, so be sure and check that out. Also, we've got a brand new Bridge Church app that is now functioning. You can give through that app. And we just want to say thank you for being so faithful. God is good to us, and we give back to him to thank him for his faithfulness in our lives. So this morning, as the ushers come, please remain in your seats until we're finished. It'll make it easier for them to receive and secure our giving. And let's watch church news together. Good morning and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Ashley and I want to give you a very special welcome today. We hope that you feel right at home this morning and that you and your family have a great experience. Church is so much more than a place we go on Sundays. Church is who we are. There's always a lot happening at The Bridge and we want to do more than just tell you about it. We want to give you an opportunity to be involved. Here's a look at a few things coming up in the days ahead. We hope you'll find your place and be a part of what God is doing here at The Bridge. No water baptisms are happening next Sunday during both of our morning services. Baptism Sunday is one of our favorite days as we celebrate with people who are going public with their faith and saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. If you have recently made a decision to follow Christ or you made that decision at some point in the past but have never been baptized, we invite you to participate in this significant day. Just sign up after this service at the Connection Center and our team will give you all the details. You can also sign up on the website or through the Bridge Church app. Let us celebrate with you as you follow Christ in water baptism. Hey parents, just a quick reminder from Bridge Kids. There are times during the service where your child may need you. Be sure to have your mobile device handy so we can send you a text to respond to the needs of your child. Our goal is to provide a simple, practical way to contact you anytime your child may need your attention in Bridge Kids. Because we care about your kid. Hey ladies, our Monday night Bridge Women Gathering is happening tomorrow night. And I am so excited about this event. We have a very special guest speaker coming, Pastor Janet Conley from Cottonwood Church in Los Alamitos. It is going to be an amazing night and you don't want to miss it. So be sure to invite all the girls in your world and be sure to come early for shopping and light refreshments. And remember, as always, childcare and Spanish translation are provided. I can't wait to see you tomorrow night at 6.30 p.m. If you're new to the bridge, we want to personally invite you to stop by the Connection Center before you go today. Take a few minutes to come and say hi. 
Our team would love to meet you and help you get connected in church life. They can also answer any questions that you might have about the church. For general info and to stay up to date, be sure to check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv, or download the Bridge app. Finally, if you made a decision to follow Christ today, come and see one of our prayer teams and get your free copy of The Next 7 Days. You can also stop by The Next 7 Days desk before you exit the building. We want to help you start your walk with God. Thanks again for spending your morning at The Bridge. We love being in church with you. Hey, thanks again for joining us in church today. So glad you were here. Did you enjoy church today? Hey, thanks. Remember, remember, we don't just come to church. We are the church. And as you go today, those of you uh, gentlemen who can help us for 10 minutes, we're going to be setting up for uh, Bridge Women tomorrow night over in the Youth Center. We'd appreciate your help. Thanks so much. Have a great, great Sunday.